you're uh, out there getting some oatmeal and coffee, kindly make your way back into the main room as you are able. And uh, we're going to jump in here today. Make sure I got everything sorted out here. Uh, well, uh, new year to you fellas. I think the happiness part is still TBD. A uh, lot going on in our community. Kind of a somber time here in uh, Boulder County and especially here in our church community. Uh, we'll just d- dispense a, a few uh, logistics out of the way and then we'll uh, get into some deeper stuff here in a second. Um, not a lot of announcements today other than just make sure you're attending to some of the paperwork that's on the table there, especially the uh, upcoming schedule for our second half of the year. Just make sure you get that and that's on your calendar. And then, of course, we've got the, the list of people who were, uh, at least as we know, who were impacted by the, the recent fires here. And we'll talk about that here in a second. So if you want to get that list. And then also, you may have noticed, we've got these uh, fancy new mugs here for for men's life, so that's great. So we'll, we'll be using those uh, throughout the second session here, and then at the end I guess we'll have some sort of a giveaway something. Um, Steve will probably have some more information about that. And then of course the, the timing of this, I think this will be a nice kind of symbolic uh, artifact, if you will, given what's going on in our community with the timing of these mugs, so I think it'll serve as a nice visual reminder uh, as well. So uh, take advantage of that opportunity. Okay, so we're, we're going to do a little uh, ad hoc here today. Um, Mike will come up here a little bit later to uh, lead us in a prayer for our, our community and transition to some teaching time as, as well as the Spirit leads. Um, I've been asked to share just a little bit about what's been going on. So uh, kind of a harrowing last few days. First of all, how many folks here were are, are from the Superior, Louisville, Marshall area? had to evacuate a little yikes well first of all thank you for for being here your presence is greatly welcome and uh, hopefully we can be a little bit of a source of respite for you Uh, our family lives in superior so we're on the side of the neighborhood that well thankfully was not affected but uh, it was a little crazy uh, these last few days so thursday when everything went down we were at our, uh, our younger son, Anders, had his uh, 12-year-old birthday party. It was a little bit early, but the timing worked out well with the, everybody's schedule. So we were at a bowling alley in Broomfield doing stuff with the family. Uh, my mother-in-law was actually in town, and she had a flight out of Denver that night. We started getting some some text messages, some posting on social media about brush fire, uh, you know, something like that. So we were kind of attending to this, and then things. To, at first it seemed like... Well, you know, we, we've we've followed some of these community Facebook pages, and it seems like people kind of get a little worked up over the, the littlest of things. So I'm sure this is just some, those of you from the area, you know, we get these brush fires occasionally, and they kind of get stamped out, and it's not that big of a deal. So we figured it was probably something like that. And then it kind of escalated. So our plan was... We were going to go home from the bowling alley around lunchtime and then have the rest of the birthday party there. We had some cake and ice cream and some games and stuff like that. So it's getting to be about that time. We're thinking, yeah, this may not be a great idea. So I'll zip home. I'll grab the dogs and external hard drives and some passports and things like that. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be nothing, but just to be safe. So I go home and do that. And it's starting to kind of 
escalate, right? So we live on the far end of the neighborhood, right behind Starbucks and Walgreens that back up to the golf course. So we're right on the open space on the other side. So I can go right out our backyard, just go right up the hill, and I can see the whole thing, at least the whole neighborhood. And you could see the smoke, you know, over the hill from the neighborhood in the what we call original town or old town superior. But, you know, it's way over there. It's clearly blowing way east. So it's like, I think, you know, we're going to be fine. This, this won't, in fact, I've got a, a little cell phone video that I was sending to family and friends who were texting saying, you know, well, I think we'll be all right. And then I noticed I could see on the top of the hill, like, cars are starting to pile up um, in, the, in the side streets. People are getting out of here. And that's when I heard that there was the evacuation order. So like, okay, it's time to, and we'll, we'll just get out of here. I need to get, I, I had my mother-in-law's luggage <laughs> in the car because I was supposed to take her to the airport. So I try to get out. Can't go anywhere. I mean, it's a total parking lot. So I go back to the house. Same thing up on the hill, kind of watching stuff. I see cars backed up, can't move. I tried to get out again, couldn't do that. Just sitting in a parking lot in our cul-de-sac, basically. Back to the house. And then I see on the new TV news that the police had come and were escorting people. Now traffic was going in one direction on the other side of the street. So people were moving. I think, okay, it's time to get back in the car. I'll. But by that time, you know, my, my mother-in-law's flight was needed to go. So Jen had taken the kids to another house, uh, Jen, my wife, and then taking her mom to the airport without her luggage. But at least she had her ID so she could fly home. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get out of here with her luggage. I'll go to the airport, drop her luggage off. Then I'll come back to the house, grab some more stuff, and, uh, and you know, we'll be okay. And th- when I was at the airport, that's when everything really took a turn for the worse. And things started going through the, um, the Rock Creek neighborhood and the, you know, the neighborhoods of Louisville. So that was, you know, kind of a harrowing night, just figuring out if our house was going to be okay. We, we ended up being fine. We do, however, we own a, a rental house on the other side of the neighborhood in the original town area, what's called the Sagamore neighborhood behind Target, and that was completely destroyed. And our tenants, you know, they were, they were gone. They were not at the house. They were at the park with their two young kids, two and uh, five months, if you can believe that. They're at the park. They hear about, they smell the smoke, they kind of get some text messages, they think we need to go back to the house and evacuate. They couldn't. The the police had already blocked off the roads. So they left with the shirts on their back and phones in their pocket, and that is it. And they just moved here from Austin in October. Now, thankfully... They're okay. They've actually gotten connected here at our church, if you can believe that, and uh, you know are, are, are connected with some good support networks and, and on a, a path to recovery. And they found a, a five-month um, rental accommodation for free, so they're good. But it was just a, you know kind of a harrowing thing to know that people just they just lost everything. Uh, you've probably heard some stories about people in our own church community who have lost everything. Uh, the day after, you weren't allowed to drive back into the neighborhood, but some of of us, you know, because we lived on the outskirts, like I drove and parked at a shopping center and kind of walked in through the open space and then got on my bike and I was riding around the neighborhood because I had all these friends, many of whom were out of town, asking, you know, how's our house? I, I rode through Carl Hoffman's neighborhood, you know, right down that street and it's just, it's nuts. It's a lot of burned down houses and a lot of sadness and destruction. So, um, 
but then, you know, grabbed a bunch of suitcases and had some temporary accommodations in Boulder. And we're back in our house as of yesterday. Utilities turned on. So, we're, you know, we're, we're fine. But there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of need in our community, and I'm sure you've all have heard about that. So I won't belabor that point much more. Um, that's about all I've really got to share about my specific situation. I don't have any great... <laughs> reflection or anything at this point. I think that'll come later. But one thing that, that does stand out, and I'll, I'll uh, kind of wrap up with this, and as I think about, you know, kind of taking stock of this or any takeaways or whatever, the one thing that really stands out to me is just the sheer suddenness and surprise of all of this. Those of you who are around here back in 2013 for the floods, you know, experience this as well. Like, well, it's raining. I mean, it rains around here. What's the big deal? I mean, surely it's not going to like flood our house. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it did. Uh, same thing with, with these fires. I mean, I just, the idea that fires would come through this community. I mean, it's, it's a lot of open space. There's a lot of trees in the neighborhood, but not trees outside the neighborhood. So the idea that, well, you know, we get these grass fires and the fire department puts them out. I mean, there's a firehouse, you know, in the neighborhood right next to Target. I mean, you can hit it with a rock, the firehouse that's right next to Target. Then there's another firehouse right in our neighborhood just down the hill. So it's like, well, I mean, this will be fine, right? And then standing on top of the hill, seeing the smoke, you know, a couple miles away, clearly blowing away from our neighborhood. Yeah, we'll be fine, right? No. <laughs> it, it, it took a turn. So... I think one of the things that um, then we can derive from that, you know, here at Men's Life, we talk a lot about masculinity and what does it mean to be a man and be a man of God. And uh, as we wrestle with some of those questions, there's certainly some consistent themes, one of which is issues of responsibility. You know, many of us here in this room are, are responsible for other people, for children, for our spouses to some extent, for elderly parents or other relatives. If, if you take anything away from this, besides the immediate need to help and support those who have been affected, I think it's a, it's a time to reflect on just, am I... Am I okay with my responsibilities? I'm grateful that our insurance policy for our rental property was up to speed and good to go. I'm thankful that I had external hard drives that I could just grab that had all of our files and stuff, that our passports were in one place. Not a bad time this maybe this weekend to just, you know, kind of reflect on that. Am I, am I good to go on some of these things? Because <laughs> even when you think, this, of course this won't happen here. It, it could. And once it kicks in, you cannot stop it. And like our renters experienced, even when you're, you can see your house from the park and your intention is to drive back and get your stuff, you may not be able to. And are you prepared for those kinds of situations? Thankfully, they were. They had some good stuff with them, uh, backed up in the cloud, insurance policy, all that kind of stuff. So whatever that means for you in terms of responsibility, what I can learn from this, of course, how I can serve my community, help other people, I, uh, I hope that's part of your, your takeaway as it is for me. So um, I, I don't know if there's any questions or comments about anything before we transition to Mike here. But it seems like it might be appropriate just to open up a little space for some, some uh, spontaneous discussion or comment. It, and, of course, if there's none, that, that's perfectly fine. But I just wanted to pause for that.
And why don't I invite uh, Mike to come up here. Mike's going to lead us in a prayer for our, our group, our community, our morning, and then just transition to some, some insights uh, for us during the teaching time. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I want to start here with um, just, you've got the list of names. Some of you are here. You've also got a list of the names of people who lost homes. And so we want to have a time of prayer for you uh, if you've been affected. And so sometimes this can be a little awkward, but it's not. We want to support you. So if you're on this list or you're not and you were affected and you want me to pray for you now, just go ahead and stand up. And then the rest of those around you, just kind of put your hands on those guys. So if you don't mind standing up, guys, if you're uh, involved with this. Thanks so much to Matt for kind of leading the way. And others kind of lift hands and put hands on them. Uh, let me lead us in a time of prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we are in your presence this morning. And in fact, there is um, no time in which we are not uh, without your protection, your care, and your love over us. You are stronger. You are greater. We claim the promises that uh, there's nothing that can separate us from your love and from your greater purpose for our lives. And yet at times we, uh, we're very sad this morning because of uh, what's happened to our brothers and our sisters in this community and in this church and in this fellowship here. We are uh, concerned. We get fearful. There are times as men where we think we've got it under control and as we just heard, we don't. There are things far greater than us, but nothing greater than you. And so we want uh, that to to be foremost on our minds, increase our faith as we go through these things, help us to realize that you are with us, that you are for us, and uh, thank you so much for that, Lord. So for Don, Chris, Joe, Steve, for Jim, Tim, Bob, for Matt, for Bruce, Marsh, Bill, Kent, Brad, and Warren, brothers among us, help them deal with what they're going through, uh, the feelings that they've experienced, the losses they've had, um, just the displacement uh, that has happened, just trying to get life to go back on. Uh, talk with Don. I know he was just sh- really shaken, and we understand that. We come alongside each of these men. Ask you to be with them, strengthen them, encourage them, and uh, ask that we can know what we can do, who have did not have to suffer directly, what we can do as brothers. Come alongside and help. We particularly lift up those who did lose homes that we're aware of, for Howard and Kathy Anderson, Frank and Deborah Harrison, Carl and Rapali Hoffman, Hilton and Krista Jones, Jerry and Beth McGuire, Brian and Lonnie Pierce, Kyle and Lindsay Rohan, Paul and Kendra Stockbrand. A special mercy, strength, grace, love poured out upon them. And again, help us to know what we can do. It's amazing that you give us your grace, your love, your power, your strength, your Holy Spirit, and with that, each other. 
That is the power of your community, your family in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In a lot of ways, what we've gone through is a demonstration of why we need the Spirit this morning. Because we're living in that in-between time as followers of Jesus. There was a time of Christ in which he came to demonstrate God's love for us, in which he came to demonstrate who God is for us. God in the flesh among us. And yet he also came to demonstrate what we can do to live with God. He came as the Son of God, fully God, and as the Son of Man, fully human. We, we've lost that ability to be fully human as God intended us to be. Christ came to show us that full humanness without the fallenness of our wrongs. And he came to do something about it, not just to show us, but to effectively change us through the cross. He washed us clean. He took the wrath of God and he removed the sin nature for those who follow him. That happened on the cross. Through the resurrection, he comes alive again and sends us his spirit to be with us. Now, that was the time of Christ, the time of justification, the time of our forgiveness and mercy and grace that we receive. Now that time is coming, not here yet, the time of glorification, the time of God's coming again, the time of the fullness of his kingdom in which there'll be no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sadness, no more death of any kind. All will be good as God intended it to be good. But we live in that in-between time in which there's still a lot of that stuff happening. We are in the time now of sanctification. The time of the Spirit and the time of grace. It's still a time of grace because there's still people that God is waiting. He's not coming back yet because He's waiting to offer them the opportunity to know what we know, which is the, the grace and love of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. But also it is a time of sanctification for us, a time of growth in understanding who we are. I call this time we, that we are living in the elementary school of life, in which we are learning how to grow and appreciate and, and this, this process of knowing who Christ is and relying and trusting in Him. So it brings up the question, why do Christians still suffer? You know, why not, uh, you know, for those of you who are Star Trek fans a long time ago, uh, why not just get, as soon as you become a Christian, beam me up, right? Beam me up, Scotty. You know, beam me up, Lord. Get me out of this world. I don't want to deal with this kind of stuff that is happening all around us. I don't want to deal with the war, the torture, the pestilence, the plagues, the pandemics. I don't want to deal with the fires. I don't want to deal with cancers. I don't want to deal with all those things which oppress us. But we need to remember, we're in that in-between time. The, this world is not our final destination. We have a journey we're taking and we're going to get there. That's the promise of God. Live with the assurance that, again, Romans 8, 
that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that nothing can separate us from God's love, and that He is greater. This is not our home. Don't get too comfortable. We, we found that out. I was in the pre-evacuation zone. I didn't think it was coming my way. It could have, though. This is not our home. Don't get too comfortable yet in this world. And yet we can witness to those around us amidst the sufferings and the trials. Why doesn't God just take us away? Because he uses the suffering and trials, though he never causes them, by the way. People call these things acts of God. They're not. They're acts of a world that is in chaos, that has been set out of kilter because we have turned away from God. At this point, they think the cause of that fire was probably human caused, but it's still being made certain. It was not an act of God. All right? Even Romans 8, again, go back further uh, earlier in Romans 8, it talks about this world is going through sufferings itself, birth pangs, because it's, it's out of kilter. It's waiting for God to set things right again. There's going to be a new earth, friends. Look forward to that. Without pollution, without corruption of any kind, without decay, without any wrong or sin, that's what we look forward to. Don't get too comfortable in this world, but learn in this world that we are really not beamed up right away because we have two great reasons God wants us to still stay here. One, to grow up and get ready to learn how to trust in God. All these things keep us focused back on what is real. It's not material things. It's not this world. It's God and His kingdom. And it's Him with us now that gets us through that. And we grow in our trust and our faith. There's an amazing verse in James 2 that I think is the least followed, least obeyed commandment in the whole Bible. You know which one I'm talking about? You know the one that says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any kind. How many do that? How many did that just the other day? You know, thinking, you know, if you had the flames coming your way, were you saying, Thank you, God. This is great. I'm joyful. But you see, we have a whole different perspective on our life when we live in Christ. Consider it per joy, my brothers, writes James, when you face trials of every kind, because, and then it goes on and talks about this produces endurance, and that strengthens your character, and this grows you in your strength, in affirming that God is with you, that God loves you, and that nothing is too great for God. And then the second reason is we become a witness in that. As we go through these things with people, we're not. We're not separated from these problems so that we suffer alongside people and then they see how we're living in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they'll say, why are you reacting this way? Why do you still have a sense about you that, that things are going to be okay when it seems like this world is falling apart? And we can point people to Jesus. Amen? I call on Romans 8.28 over and over as a promise we should memorize and live in. And we know that God causes everything, everything, good, bad, in-between things, everything to work together. All of it 
God has, it's been, God has not taken his eye off us. He's not in control of just some things and lets other things go, or he, he's helpless against them. No, he's in control of everything. He doesn't cause it, but he allows it for a greater reason. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who are called, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's an amazing promise. If you need help unpacking that, I'd love to talk with you. It's really a step of faith. In this world that we live in now, who can we really trust? We can trust our God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. We live with the strength and wisdom of the Holy Spirit enabled to make it through this world. And that's why what we're talking about in the fall and now as we're going to continue into this uh, winter time. We know we need the Spirit. That's why God gave us the Spirit. To get through this time. That we can keep growing and keep witnessing. And keep getting ready for that day in which all will be joy. And all will be love. So today I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to have to kind of shorten a little bit what I was saying because I wanted to share with you that, these great promises and put this all into context. So we want to talk about today, see the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit are our measurement of the lifestyle that we're growing into. What are the fruit of the Spirit? The Apostle Paul lists them in Galatians 5, 22-23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit listed. The fruit of the Holy Spirit displays the character of Jesus alive in the lifestyle of his followers. Every follower, listen to this, every follower of Jesus that is empowered by the Spirit, that calls upon the Spirit, demonstrates more and more of these fruit in our daily behaviors. Every follower of Jesus has access through the Spirit to this behavior, this lifestyle. The Holy Spirit does not give his fruit to only a few of Jesus' followers. He gives it to every follower that opens their life to the work of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of our efforts. So the, Holy, the fruit of the Spirit are all available. Every single one of these nine listed. That's going to be something different than when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. You only get a certain couple of gifts. Why? Because the Spirit, spiritual gifts are meant to do ministry together. To build up the church. And to witness for God. We carry out our ministry according to the scripture. We need to understand this. And we'll talk about this when we get to the gifts of the Spirit. According to the gifts we have been given. Complementing. Complementing each other. Is that a word? Complementing? <laughs> each other. With our gifts. But we all have all the fruit. Because it's the work of the Spirit among us, developing that character, that lifestyle of Christ in us. In these nine fruit, we see the characteristics of Jesus' personality. He lived them completely. For instance, if you read the great definition of love that you find in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8, I want you to do something here. As, when, I read love, when I read the word love, I want you to put Jesus' name in there. Okay, as I read it, all right? Well, in fact, I'll just do it. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. He's not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not 
delight in evil. He rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. Amen? That's what we rely on. That's what we need. Now put your own name there. <laughs> Amen. I am so I'm right with you. Uh, take even the person you think is the best person that you've ever known. Put their name there. They don't live up to that standard. We need this. Th- this um, the, the verses in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, was the first Bible verse I ever memorized as a follower of Jesus. Because that's what I wanted in my life. I wanted more of this kind of love. I wanted peace and patience. I wanted goodness. I wanted self-control. So much. But you see, it's, 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 it could be seen as a standard up here that we'll never reach or we can understand. It's not something we try to attain by ourselves. It's something the Spirit works out in us as we trust in Him. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Mike Clark. You know, with patience... I'll jump ahead to patience for a moment. With patience, you know, we've always been telling, you know, you get in a situation where you want to be patient. What are you supposed to do? Count to ten? Does that ever work? I can count to a thousand and a lot of times. I'm still not, I'm not by, by two I'm already impatient. <laughs> you know, clench your fist. Oh, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. That just doesn't work. Patience is not an effort of my ability. My, I don't have the ability to, to generate patience. It's something we have to do with God's help through the Spirit. I agree with those who state that the nine fruit of the Spirit can be split into three groups. The first three, love, joy, and peace, talk about our relationship with God. The second three, patience, kindness, and goodness, talk about our relationship with each other. The third three, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, talk about our relationship with ourselves. So, love, joy, and peace all about who God is and getting with God and those then the result of drawing close to God. Remember, the promise, if you draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. He's not going to force Himself upon you. You have to be willing to say, God, fill me with your love, joy, and peace. And then that makes me able to be love, joyful, and peace to those around me and in my situations. Second, patience, kindness, and goodness. Isn't that what we need with each other? Patience in our relationships. Kindness, goodness. We'll talk about each of those. And finally, in regards to myself, I need to learn faithfulness for me, gentleness, and self-control. This a lot goes along with the uh, great commandment. Matthew 12, 30, 31. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. You see, so we find true love, joy, peace, in our relationship with God that we can share with others and heart, soul, mind, and body, the entirety of our being. We live out God's love with each other through patience, kindness, and goodness. And we love ourselves through becoming faithful, becoming gentle, and in living in self-control. And then these fruit change our relationships. It's only through having peace with God that I can have peace with you. It's only by receiving the love of God that I am fully able to love you. And joy is the touch of God. So let's talk about each of these uh, fruit quickly. 
as we mentioned, love was demonstrated in the life of Jesus. Now, we love in many different ways. In our English vocabulary, we only have one word for love, and we use it for everything, don't we? I love ice cream. I love chocolate. I love puppies. But we use the same word to say, I love my wife. I love the Lord. But they're very different. The Greek has many different words for love. Three specific words for the good kinds of love. There is brotherly love. Philadelphia. There is romantic love. Eros. And there's God's love. And that word is agape. You might have heard of agape. Love. That's the type of love that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians that we read the definition. That's agape love. In John 15, 13, Jesus gave this definition for agape love, the type of love God has that he wants to fill our lives with through his spirit. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's agape love. Another way to define that is sacrificial and unconditional love. Sacrificial and unconditional. That's the Greek word used in our list here of fruit of the Spirit. Love is agape. It's only because God loves us that we have the capability to learn how to do this. He sets the example through His Son and then gives us the power to live that as we have the Spirit of Christ in us. As Jesus lived out agape love, so we can live it out in the Spirit of Christ. Joy comes from the touch of God. It's different than happiness. Happiness is always a result of a living, being in a happy experience. So we weren't happy when we're watching homes burn. No, that's terrorizing. That's an emotion. It's a result of the circumstance. But joy is something that happens in spite of. In Hebrews 12, too, it talks about the joy Jesus had. Listen to where he had joy. It said, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He found joy in the cross, even though it was torturous to him. He scorned its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, he saw beyond the trial to what lay beyond. God's greater plan. And that's what we need to learn to do. And that's what we need to ask, that this perspective of joy, this fruit of the Spirit is joy. As we go through these difficult situations in this this life, we are able to see beyond them to what God is doing. Uh, Did you see uh, the CU football coach? Uh, A beautiful house, completely burned down. And yet he was on TV the very next day saying, yeah, I lost all that. But you know what? I still have Jesus. And it was an amazing testimony. It was on the news networks. Wow. He had the joy of what was greater, of, how he, of, of his God with him, who he knew is greater than that situation. So joy comes from the Spirit as we seek him in any situation. Joy is the touch of God, is not a result of the situation. Peace comes because Christ removed the barriers of our wrong, of our sins. He removed the consequences of of that that separated us from God. We're no longer enemies of God. We're sons of God. Have you thought of yourself in that way recently? You are a son of God. Joint heirs with our sisters in Christ. 
of all of God's kingdom. Citizens of that. Contentment in Christ in all situations is the secret of life that the Apostle Paul talks about. Philippians 4, 12 to 13 says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether having my house standing or not. Let me add that. I can do this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's the secret of contentment in this life. It is this peace that helps us get through all our worries, anxieties, and problems and difficulties because we can know we can turn every worry into a prayer. Scripture, Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything, right? Don't worry about anything. But with thanksgiving... In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Peace comes from living in the Spirit, with God with us right now. If you want these things, call out to God. Call out to the Spirit. Patience brings the ability to calmly and lovingly endure the mounting pressures and frustrations and deal with the demands and concerns placed upon us by those around us. Patience is perhaps best defined more by what we don't do than what we do. We don't react in anger. We don't rush on. We don't get frustrated. We don't snap back on a harsh and critical response. We remain calm and caring. We remain in the spirit. That's the only way we can be patient. I sure prayed this prayer over and over. Romans 15.5 May God who gives this patience. Where does it come from? May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. Kindness. Kindness shows up in the way we treat each other. Now, I make a distinction between kindness and being nice. Our culture loves the word, be nice. Being nice is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is. The distinction, I believe, comes in the fact that being nice simply says, oh, just kind of put up with it. Don't say anything, you know, even though you don't like it. Um, don't really try to change anything. Just be nice. Just get along. But you know what happens when you just get along and you don't try to really develop that relationship further? You just kind of try to ignore the bad things. Do the bad things go away? Do the difficulties go away? No. Being nice doesn't cut it. We're to be kind. It means when we don't like something that someone else does in a relationship, we're still kind to them. But we separate out the behavior from the person. I sure love it when people do that with me. Their kindness to me has actually helped me deal with things I need to deal with. Not just put up with me. In a sense, by putting up with me, they're just ignoring me. But by taking me seriously, they say, Mike, I want to come alongside. I want to help you. I've seen you struggle with this. Um, I, want to, I want to be there with you to overcome this. Kindness loves others even if their behavior is harmful. Kindness always seeks out the best for others. Nice that he doesn't do that. Kindness loves others. It does not condemn them, but helps them find a better way to live. Jesus' kindness led him to die on the cross for us. Not just say, oh, everything's fine. 
No, he died on the cross to change us. Jesus' kindness led him to come into this world in the first place and be here for us. First, 2 Corinthians 6.6 6, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, and our kindness. By the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. Goodness finds this, this description in God alone. Remember that rich young man who came to, to Jesus and said, you know, good teacher. And Jesus said to him, Mark 10, 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, the level of goodness that we're talking about here that is one of the fruit of the Spirit is much higher. It is a pure goodness. Goodness is not average. Goodness is not every day trying to be decent. Goodness is always being right, always being holy, always being generous, always being compassionate. So only God is good, as Jesus explained. Yet we can become better at being good as we learn to let the Spirit live through us. There will come a day, my friends, that's called the day of glorification, the day of Christ's return, in which we will be transformed into complete goodness. Won't that be amazing? It's hard to imagine that now. Again, We're in that in-between time. So we need the Spirit to help that grow more and more to develop our relationships with each other. Generosity. God's generosity is well known. In Matthew 5.45, Jesus said, In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. That's generosity. It's easy to love those who are loving, unlovable. It's hard to love those who are not. It's easy to be generous with the people we like. It's hard to be generous with, with our enemies. Yet that's what Jesus did and that's what we're called to do because we're called to be a different kind of people. In our character we are to be Christ-like. The people of God are to act like God towards others. And if that's too great a burden to bear, you're being honest. But again, that's why we need to rely on the Spirit and ask Him to help us in that kind of generosity we are to have. First uh, Peter 2.19. Apostle Peter writes, You're not like that. You're a chosen people. You're royal priests. Have you ever thought of yourself as a royal priest of God? That's why we call it the priesthood of all believers. Every follower of Jesus is a royal priest, a minister. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. God's very own procession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We can learn to love even our enemies in the power of the Spirit. Final three. We'll go through very fast. Faithfulness shines through people who have integrity. People who have integrity, people who are faithful, when they say yes, it means yes. When they say no, it means no. The prophet Samuel spoke of the Lord's consistent faithfulness. He said in 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-six, To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity you show your integrity. So we are to be true to God and true to ourselves inside and outside as we're growing in the spirit and learning to be faithful to be people of our word to be people that our words match our actions are you the person you present yourself to be or are you just acting I see this in churches all the time when people are just acting then you know they say oh I'll pray for you but do they go out and pray 
They'll say, oh, you're such a wonderful person, and they go out and gossip about you behind your back. That's not who we are. We're new people in Christ. We're people who say, I'm going to pray for you, and we do it. Or we want to learn how to be those people. Again, I ask the Spirit helps. We're people who say, I'm with you, even when, I, when sometimes I don't like what you're doing. I want to be faithful as God is faithful. I want to be faithful in the Spirit. We become faithful based on the faithfulness we have learned and received and seen in Christ. Luke 16.10, Jesus said, If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. So notice the process. We're not faithful big overnight. We learn it through being faithful in everyday kind of little things, day by day. And we earn faithfulness in others as we are faithful. God earned faithfulness, didn't he? He could say, oh, I'm faithful, but he went to the cross. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Let's not have that said about us. Gentleness can best be described in terms of strength tempered by love. Have you ever heard the term velvet steel? I heard that term? Velvet steel? You know, steel is cold and strong, but velvet is steel. I mean, get rid of the coldness, it's still strong. Maybe a different way to think about this is in terms of a stallion. A wild stallion needs to be tamed. It's still a stallion, but it's tamed. All right? That's gentleness that we as men ascribe to. Gentleness does not mean that we give up being men. We need to understand again what it means to be a man in God's image, in the image of Christ. We aren't weak, namby pamby pushovers. Not what it talks about in Scripture. I mean, can you think of Jesus as a weak, namby pamby pushover? No, he was strong, even in the face of persecution. Said to the authorities, said to Pilate, you have no authority over me. You're only doing this because God's allowing it. That's strength, but it's also gentleness. Using force in the proper way. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. To be meek is to be strong and powerful in trusting in God to overcome. And to then carrying out God's will in the power he provides us. Those who submit their power under the power of God will find greater purpose and success. We don't rely on ourselves, but when we rely on God's strength, walls fall down. Last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And here it's a paradox, because self-control comes only by giving up yourself. If you want to have the control of your emotions, your desires, your power to overcome temptations, you need to let the Spirit let that happen in you. The 12-step programs were all started with the understanding, the first and foremost thing, after they confess who they are, hi, I'm an alcoholic, or hi, I'm a drug addict, or hi, you know, I'm a gambling addict. But the second one is, there is a God. And He's going to change me. I'm not hopeless. And we need to make the same affirmation. Whatever your temptation that you struggle with, you need to say, Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm a sinner. In my case, i got an anger problem. But I know the one who's greater than my anger, who's going to make me gentle, 
who's going to make me kind, who's going to give me patience. Matthew 10, 39, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. If you want self-control, you need the Spirit's control in your life. You need to yield, submit, obey the Spirit in you. Now, friends, I've been a follower of Jesus for over 50 years, and I'm nowhere near yet. Let me confess to you, I'm nowhere near yet having the maturity of this nine fruit of the character of the follower of Jesus yet in me. I'm not there, but I've come a long way. I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I've come a long way, but I've got a long way to go. One day, I'm never going to get there completely in this world, but one day, God's going to completely change me, transform me, and to be His eternal, consistent Son of God. Same is true for you guys. So, what we want you to do now, um, I'm going to send you off uh, to the small groups in prayer. Uh, in small groups, though, if you need to take some time to kind of process what this area went through or you, what you personally went through, uh, ask for prayer if you were affected. Uh, have brothers pray for you each together. Uh, spend time in that. That's priority one today, okay? Let's be there for each other as brothers in Christ. And then, if you have time, get to these questions. Let me send you off in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being with us right now. Thank you for sending your Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Father, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit with us now, that we can learn to be your sons, that we can witness to you, that we can see how great you are and how you overcome the trials and temptations to bring about character in us, to bring about maturity in us. We so long in our relationship with you, in our relationships with each other, in our relationships with ourselves, to know the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. So be with us in our small groups, lead us in our discussion, and help us to live in you this week to see these fruit growing more and more in our lives. Amen. Just a word, next Tuesday I'll talk about how you work on getting more of the fruit in your lives. God bless, man.